This is the Lethbridge Lean Radio Show. We are broadcast from the University of Lethbridge in Alberta on traditional Blackfoot Confederacy land. And I am your host, Gregory Robinson. Hello and welcome back. I am Gregory Robinson and today, part of our podcast from the University of Lethbridge, we have Luna Liu. And we are pretty lucky to have Luna here. She is obviously very smart and has done a lot of research here at the university over the last couple of years. Luna, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and how you came about to coming to the University of Lethbridge? Um, hi, um, so I've just graduated my master's degree in uh, management at the University of Lethbridge and major in marketing. Um, before coming to Lethbridge, actually I did my first master's degree in Germany. And after the first semester, first semester, I was offered to participate in a dual degree program. Um, so basically it means that I do one year of coursework in Germany, another course, uh, another, yeah, another year of coursework in, in University of Lethbridge. And I do a one thesis submitted to both university and then I got two master degrees. So, which is kind of nice, <laughs> I guess. Um, okay. so. Along the list of the, the university that I was given when I tried to decide what kind of uh, which university to go to, I decided to go with University of Lethbridge uh, for two reasons. First is that um, I was really curious about Canada. I really wanted to visit here because of the like, beautiful nature and be- nice people. And the second reason is that more, more uh, related to my study is that um, the program here offered in University of Lethbridge is totally different from the master degree that I was taking at um, in Germany, and it's off it's different from other um, master programs in um, other universities as well. So, how exactly is it different from uh, the program at Germany that you're doing compared to here? Um, um, okay, so the master program at um, Schmalkalde University is the German um, university that I was that I was thinking to. Um, it's more cost based, while um, master program here in the UL are more research based. It's more scientific um, based. Okay, and then how does it compare what you're doing here to other universities in, in Canada? Just out of curiosity. Is it just different research or is it? Um... Uh, no, actually, um, the list I was given, University of Leipzig is the only yeah, Canadian university. Oh, okay. Okay. And the other universities from like from different countries, it can be either in Europe, Asia or in America and in, in the US as well. Okay, yeah. Um, so then obviously it's going to be much different between uh, which country that, uh, yeah. that you're in. Yeah, so no, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we're glad to have you out here. It's, it is pretty nice. I would say people are pretty friendly and I, I hope you've experienced that too. Yeah, um, yeah I have a good time. So I come out from, from Ontario and here in, in oh. Lethbridge, I have found, and in Alberta, it is very beautiful. So I think you chose the right mm. problem. <laughs> yeah, I did. I have, yeah, I, I went to Banff, um, yeah, and uh, the Rocky Mountains is so beautiful. Oh my God. Yeah, it's it's really nice. You know, BC, I've been told, is pretty good. I actually haven't made it out to BC yet, but I'm- Oh, really? Yeah, point. I see it Vancouver and, and Victoria. Oh my God, I love it a lot. And like- yeah. The weather is like amazing. It's so much better than the, yeah, than the weather here. Yeah, especially this last week or two. It's been perfect. Yeah. yeah. Ontario, we don't have too many mountains. It's not anything oh. spectacular in, in that sense. We do have Niagara Falls and like beaches and that's about it, in, in my opinion. That's but, nice too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, beaches. I, I do miss a little bit of the, the beaches, but um, I, I'm a really big fan of Alberta and, and so mm-hmm. far, Lethbridge has been very beautiful. I really like the valley in between. That's just my person. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of wind, but you know, it's got some nice. I know it's gonna be crazy. I know, like I, I, I just feel like you cannot have the perfect weather here in Lethbridge. It's easier like 
too cold and then too hot or is like super windy it just yeah it just ha- like the, the day that you have like the balanced weather like the balance it's just like yeah it's so rare <laughs> does it get really warm I, I haven't experienced that yet yeah it, it can get up to like 40 degrees in the summer celsius yeah oh yeah celsius yeah are you serious <laughs> yeah it can get so yeah mm-hmm. i oh, think you should no. get a fan in the summer I didn't know it gets that warm. Wow. I'm, yeah, it definitely that's, can. That's surprising. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it's weird because like we're so far up north too. Hmm. Yeah, like there are a couple of days, but yeah, you can definitely feel the heat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, so why did you choose to come to, to go to grad school? Was there a particular reason? Um, I actually did my bachelor degrees in, in Vietnam in finance and I had a year of experience like working in a full-time job and at the point I just felt like I, I didn't want to settle down yet. I still I still want to go out and explore the world and develop myself. So I just feel like yeah it's time to go. It's time to explore the world. Yeah, no, that's always a, a great reason to just get up and move. You know you can go mm-hmm. you can find a job or you can start school somewhere else. I think that's always that's always a great idea. So in your opinion, what country is the best? Say Canada. Say Canada. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, um, actually, I have better experience in Germany. Um, oh. Yeah, I just have more friends. And, you know, because in, in Europe, it's so easy to travel. So I travel intensively when I was there. Like, yeah, and I just like in general, I, have, I, I met a lot of good friends and have good experience. Yeah, if you really want to travel, Europe is is the place to be because it's just so cheap to get around. Yeah. Yeah, I know in Canada, if you want to travel anywhere, you have to fly and it's really expensive. Like, yeah, yeah. it <laughs> doesn't make sense. Well, we just have so few people, I guess. So that's probably Yeah, it's so spread out. It's so scared out. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Canada is like a big, 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 big country. So it yeah. makes sense. But still. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you got to experience so many places in Europe and, you know, loved it in Germany and and still liked it here in Canada. So I'm just, so let's go into the uh, the research aspect part of uh, your time here. So you spent multiple years here at the University of Lethbridge and mm-hmm. what exactly did you research? What did you do? So in marketing field, I was particularly interested in social marketing. So social marketing is a marketing designed to create behavior change for social good. And I, I, um, I wanted to research something about not too far, not too out there, but something kind of close to me in my community. And to, um, in 2018, at the time that I was deciding what kind of topic um, I, I, I would choose, um, then Me Too movement happened and it gained popularity overwhelmingly on social media, like on Facebook and Twitter. And I started seeing a lot of posts from my friends like with the hashtag Me Too. And um, it surprised me in a way, like, you know, you know, sexual husband happened, like, you know, it happened. It's not that uncommon. And you know, it's have a long millennia history, right? But you never really get how like, extremely serious and how extreme pervasive prevalent it is. And, and yeah, and, and it can surprise you like how extremely underreported it is. A lot of my friends, even that you use the hashtag me too, they didn't even tell the story. They just want to raise a voice, but they still kind of kept silent in a point. And I feel like, um, yeah, it's, it's time that we should find a way to empower the victim to speak up. Okay, and so you mentioned, I think, social marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, where you're trying to influence uh, people through marketing and yeah. culture and society. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is that related to anything that you did during your bachelor's? And is, is, you know, did you do some course in your bachelor's in Vietnam and think, oh, this is what I want to do? Or what to come <laughs> up with? 
<laughs> no, actually, it's totally different. Like in Vietnam, I, we did have course in marketing, but it basically just um, taught you about the two, the four P. You know, like what is, price, uh, place, people. Oh my god, I forgot. Like yeah, the four P strategies. Okay. Do you know? <laughs> yeah, know. like the basic commercial marketing strategies. Um, when here, like so, in the first semester when I I started to do the master program here, we have um, a marketing seminar where you kind of cover everything like they cover everything from the basics um which different branch of marketing um like the history of marketing as well so yeah I, I start to know about social marketing from here and I read a lot of interesting um like sort of making campaigns in real life as well and I find like oh my god it's just so interesting and so powerful that it can influence people like it like social marketing can like can design to tackle anything from like how you drive the seat belt. Um, I don't know if you heard about the um, like uh, Dumb's Way to Die campaign, like um, for, uh, it's to promote the safety of railroad. I have like, not heard of that, but I'm it's sure like, oh, it. it was really interesting. It's um, like a really comedy songs they trying to, they use to promote um, like railroad safety. And it's, it's really hit, it's really popular. And I find like, okay, oh, I, I found out, okay, this is actually social marketing. It's, it was so interesting for me. That you can do so much for for the society with using marketing so yeah it's like oh my yeah, yeah this is what i want to do yeah no that makes sense and i think it you chose a really good time to get into that field as well because mm-hmm. at that time point you know of course there was the me too movement that happened but as the years have gone on we have been more and more you know trying to be inclusive and trying to have representation and i feel like that there's, there's a connection there with social marketing um Mm. in terms of like you know who is in movies and you know that may not be necessarily marketing it's more about the production side of movies but it's still it has an influence on our society Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so i I just think that's you chose an amazing um area to get into and chose it at the right time which you know not many people usually do yeah i don't know i don't know about right time because at first when i talk with others like okay i did the me um yeah i did research on me too movement and they said Oh, it's so trendy. And it kind of upset me at something because, you know, like sexual harassment is not trendy. It's never a trendy problem. And the Me Too movement is kind of just brought a renewed attention to the problem. That's what it is. Like, thanks to the power of the social media and thanks to the power of, of, yeah, the Me Too movement, we finally got like a sense of the magnitude of the problem. That's what it is. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it's trendy and that's not necessarily what I was trying to get out there it was just yeah I know but yeah just like that's the reaction I got I was a bit upset about that yeah yeah I think it's just a good time because you know people are going to be more willing to fund it people are Mm. are more caring now and more observant Mm. of these things and and want to know more and so I think that's a good time to get into that field before you know I'm sure supervisors have proposed studies that just could not get funding Mm. because nobody unfortunately cared at that time point mm-hmm. even though it was still yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 and I so what you mean so what are like the um the the rates of like sexual um assault and sexual harassment um and, and like how often do people actually report them um okay so according to the more recent data in 2020 more than 35 percent of women experience some form of sexual harassment in their life. More than 20% encounter sexual assault. However, less than 10% of rape victims did actually report to the, to the police or the local authorities. Wow, that's, that's a lot. That's, consider we have like what, seven, eight billion people in the world? No, not billion. I know. Trillion, billion? 
I forget. Billion, I think. Billion? Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so to think that, you know, 35% are being, of women. So it's about half of that. So what, we'll say 4 billion uh, women and then 35% of that. That's a lot of women. Mm-hmm. And then- I know, it's shocking, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of them are then also sexually, um, not just harassed, but assaulted. Mm-hmm. You're saying only 10% of people that, that got raped. Yeah, less than 10%. Less than 10. Wow, mm-hmm. that's that's really, it, it's surprising. And, you know, at the same time, it's really not that surprising because of just the way our legal system works. And sure. you know, many people are afraid to come out and, and, and bring it up. But that's one of the great things about the Me Too movement is that we are hopefully making a difference and hopefully changing. But that's that statistic still is from 2020. And so that's, that's still kind of sad. Mm-hmm. unfortunately mm-hmm. yeah so knowing those statistics you know what exactly did you want to achieve with your your research so the ultimate goal of my study is to inform social marketers in the future to create a, an effective social marketing campaign or a social marketing edge that can empower victims to speak up but also um uh, encourage others to support the victims of sexual harassment when, when they're coming out as well okay and so what what uh, what specifically did you did you research and, and find? So to create um to create a like effective social marketing uh, campaign ad, there's two things that you have to focus on: getting the right message and getting the message right. So getting the right message meaning that um, what kind of message you want to deliver, what kind of message um, you want to convey that you think that can empower the victims, that can resonate with others um yeah the first thing um and regarding the getting their message right refers to how how you deliver that message, how you frame the message, how you phrase the message can influence how others perceive that message. And I want to tackle those two points to create um, an effective social marketing ad. Okay, and did you end up actually making an ad just out of curiosity or? No, I didn't get to that point. (laughs) Yeah, just suggestion for future social marketers. (laughs) Exactly, okay. And so what, um, what were some of the methods that you used to study this? Um, okay, so for the first part, like, um, getting the right message. Um, so in order to get the right message, um, the, uh, my approach to this problem is to find out what kind of barriers, what are the different barriers to reporting. And in order to do this, I use the thematic analysis and I analyze the data that I got from Twitter posts um, to, to find the immersion themes that um, yeah, emerged from the data. And it. for the, yeah, <laughs> which is kind of funny to think about in research, but you know, it's a great resource. So why not? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, you, you're, you're saying you use it to study, uh, uh, you did a thematic analysis to study various themes. Um, okay. So that first part is about getting the message and the second part uh, regarding getting the message right and trying to find what are the different factors um, of a tweet that can Get, um, that can help the victim's message garner more attention and garner more support. Um, the, and the factors that I was looking at at um, different themes, different content categories. So, so how, how the presence of each theme can influence the tweet engagement. Um, and second group is that how using different emotions like the expression of anger, anxiety, and sadness can influence how, um, how, how the audience engage with, their, with the tweet. Okay, and so what themes did you find um, that were common in these tweets? Okay, so I'm gonna criterize those, um, the nine themes that I found into and into different groups so you have a better grasp of it. Um, so the first group um, includes shame and blame, fear of not being believed, 
dismissing this um, seriousness of the assault and suppressing it. And those themes refers to it's revolve around the people's perception about um, sexual harassment and the victims of sexual harassment. So a lot of um, the a lot of thoughts um, revolve around this are. Um, sexual harassment is not real, it's not a big deal. And the victims of sexual harassment are shameful, are blameful and are dishonored. And those thoughts had created a hostile environment for the victims uh, and prevent them from speaking up. The second group refers to the lack of distrust in justice system. And the themes includes are um, beliefs that reporting have a negative result. Um, they feel powerlessness and uh, lack of evidence. And other themes are um, their inability to understand what happened, and this could be because they were so young at the time, or they they didn't um, they didn't know their rights to report. Um, it could be um, their uh, desire to protect others. It could be um, they want to protect the harasser, or they want to protect um, the families of the harasser, and or they can be too traumatized and too scared to speak up. Okay, that's that's really interesting. And so did you find these, you know, themes, were, were they common and present in like most tweets that you were looking at or did you have to look at, like how many tweets did you end up looking at to, to determine these themes? Like all the tweets that I scraped was like more than I nearly 2000, but I have to go into and filter them out just to focus on the tweet that actually talk about the experience and talk about the reason why they didn't report. And so the, so the final data set include um, 813 tweets. And I, yeah, I read all of those and and quote all of them. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of yeah. 140 characters. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. And like the first theme that the semesting, um, um, the cultural themes kind of like shame and blame, fear of not being believed or dismissing the like denial um, are the most prevalent themes that I found. Really? Even though mm -hmm. like they might be from different countries? Yes. No, actually I only, um, like, I only analyzed the quote in, um, in English. So I only okay. get the tweet in the, yeah. Okay. But that could still be like Canada, US, Australia, England, various other places that speak English. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. And you know, like, like a lot of them, like the perception here is not, it's not of the victims as well. So like the victim feel ashamed. They feel that they are the one who blame for this, but it's also their parents, their like their friends, their boyfriend, their like girlfriends, and the police as well. All of them are the one who blame or shame the victims, and I, I, I mean, it's so disturbing you to know that they have to face a lot of like obstacle when they're trying to speak up. For example, like, like the first, like the first step that you talk about, like the victims, right? The victim has to feel like this is wrong, and like I'm not the one who blame in order to report. And then when they confine in. Um, they trust upon like their their families or their like girlfriend boyfriends. They will once again met with like criticism and judgment. They will be called like like whore or um, like slut. You know, it's it just I know it's just very dark when I I read those tweets. Like it was their choice, right? Yeah. right. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's unfortunate. Yeah. So then, once you found these themes, you then went to the the second part of your study to see how can someone convey their message better to people and be perceived better. And do you want to just explain a little bit more about how you did that and, and what you found? Okay, so first there's like a side um, findings of that as well, like because um, because I tried to test the presence of eight themes and to see if it's influenced the tweet engagement. And here uh, in the first study that to, to, to find out and to study whether um, how the audience, how the online audience perceive the bears to see that um, if 
there are some themes that they find more believable and um, some reason they just don't find that be believable. Um, and the finding that is um, the expression of the, um, the victim designed to not um, design to protect others actually have a negative correlated with trait engagement, which means that when they when the victims speak about their design to protect the harasser, then the audience will feel that that's not really honest. That's not really believable. It's not relatable and it's not understandable. Interesting. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so that's with the first part, like um, what kind of how how the how how the audience perceive different themes, different barriers to reporting. And the second part I study is uh, relating to the emotion um, element. Um, I was I was trying to understand if the expression of different emotion will influence how the tweet um, are engaged or not. And the findings are um, the expression of angle, uh, angle and anger. The victim expressing their angerness and anxiety, then it will increase the trait engagement. However, expression of sadness actually decreases it, which means that when the victim talk about their sadness or they uh, or the victim um, expressing using sadness to express their tweets, express their or to tell their story, then the audience just uh, less engaged with the tweet. Um, and to me, it's it's interesting in a way, but it's, it's kind of messed up as well. What my getaway from this is that the audience have some kind of expectation how the, how the, how the victim should behave and should react to, to sexual harassment. They, like, uh, people have the idea that they can, the victims can be angry, they can be sad, or um, they can be angry or they can be anxious, but they cannot be sad. It, I think it's wrong. Yeah, it's, it's very unusual that, you know, you can't be sad. Um, and specifically anger and being anxious gets more uh, people engaging, which that brings me up to my next question for you. I'm just kind of curious. Is it always necessarily like a good thing that we're getting Twitter engagement? Um, you know, is there any way to sort of categorize like, is it a certain type of engagement or, or is it just engagement in total? Like, you know, the amount of people that like commented or retweeted or liked, you know, I, I think sometimes if you look at the comments, like, you know, we've all been there in like the bottom of a YouTube video or on Twitter, you can like see, you know, some people are like vastly for it and some people are extremely against. And so I guess that's kind of my question. Is there any way to actually categorize like the the way people are, are uh, responding to such Twitter posts? Um, well, I just, okay. So I think that we'll need a further uh, research about that. So right now I just I, like in this study, I basically just looking at Twitter engagement, like the number of likes and number of retweets, and it's signaling um, that people are supporting and um, supporting those tweets in particular. Um, but in future, I think we have to have a more concrete construct, you know, to look in that. For example, um, we're looking at okay, so how different uh, emotions or how different themes can um, influence um, different dependent variables, and different and dependent variables here can be um, believability or likability. Or, or something like that, you will have more, a more concrete uh, construct to, in order to measure that. So right now, we're just kind of using tweet engagement to signaling the, um, like those attentions and, to, and those believe, um, believability. Okay, so if somebody wanted to come across, like if they had their story and they wanted to share it on Twitter and they wanted to um, get the most amount of Twitter engagement, you know, so that the most amount of people hear it, what would you recommend to that person? Okay, um, so based on the finding of this of this uh, thesis, 
in general, the um, the most engaged tweet gonna be look like this. It's had to be authentic. So it's mean that they use a lot of self-reference. For example, they use a lot of I, me, my. So the so they make the story more personal, like really ex um, reflecting their personal experience. And they should use very strong emotions, uh, like anger and anxiety when they're telling the experience. And they should... Um, talk about something related to more cultural themes and systematic themes. And those that kind of tweet can um, can get more engagement from the audience. Okay. And and also be angry or anxious and not sad, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Now, it does bring up the question is that like, should the people that are telling the stories really have to be concerned about how people are going to like them or treat them or, or treat you know the way that they tell their story you know personally I would think it's more up to the society and people in general to be more um, accepting and, and more willing to hear people's story instead of um, the other way around and I just kind of wonder what your opinion was on on that and maybe is there something that we could do in the future mm -hmm. um so when I so when I um, so when I do research when I research about the different barriers to reporting and I feel like um, a lot of them coming from like the victim's own belief and the victim own perception but a lot of them also um, influenced by others like others perception and the society in general like the community their um, their close friends and the police officers like um, or healthcare workers like anyone that can react to them also contribute to the obstacle that they have to face. And I think in general, social marketing campaigns shouldn't only address the victim themselves, but also how um, is this should address the society in general and have to change the perception, the wrong perception, um, or we call it the rape myths. Like it just uh, widely help but generally false belief about sexual um, harassment and um, victims of sexual, sexual harassment. Okay, yeah. So it's not just about a person telling their story. It's you know, you can make an ad and you can make it, you know, telling people, like, get get the most amount of people to be on your side and on board with it and mm -hmm. through, through an ad and, and maybe even change the culture, essentially, so that yeah, people exactly. are more willing to hear people out. I know. But I know, but it's, it, right now, it's a bit out there like it's a progress you just have to take in slow because it's a cultural like you said it's cultural it's in it's been embedded in the social for so long and we just have to take a few first step few steps like small step in order to achieve a better um, better society um, I would say okay if you were to follow up from this research if there was something that you wanted to go to in, in, in the future to study um, and, and take that next step what, what would you say the next step would be um Actually, many perspectives or many approaches that I can I can take on. For example, the first I want to to know if there are um, like some expectation or like I know I do, I just want to know if people have some certain like standard or expectation on how the victims of sexual harassment or other crimes should behave. And and the second point is that I want um, like another approach that I can take on is that, for example, um, whether when you when you um, when you have a social marketing ad, right? So there's many way um, to do it, how many way to frame it. I wonder if um, the use of a single person versus this use of a multiple person, you know, like the voice of one person or the voice of the community, which one will have more effect on others? Okay, yeah. So <laughs> you're hearing multiple stories and people telling you, you know, this is happening compared to just hearing one story. People, you know, people might be more willing to just sweep it under the rug, essentially. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, like the kind of message, like you can compare the two messages, like 
um, I can do this or we can do this, you know. Uh, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah, that, 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 I think that would be interesting to look at as well. Okay. So to make it more like we're in it together, essentially. Mm -hmm, kind of. yeah. mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's really interesting. And, um, you know, thanks for sharing all, all of your research. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Um, you know, you've definitely been, you know, enlightening us about uh, the things that we can do in the future. And hopefully at some point, I, I'm, I'm hoping to see you produce an ad. That'd be pretty cool. I want to see it change. I know. Yeah, this is like a more theoretical and we should have a more practical approach. <laughs> yeah, you know, we should make a goal about like 2030. You know, 100% of people should be reporting. That would be well, like... That would be ideal, yeah. yeah. And maybe not even 10 years away, maybe like you know, a couple of years away, but... You know, you got to take baby steps, right? You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's you know, you got to take steps to get to where you are. You can't just dream about it and do nothing. But yeah, no, thank you so much for coming on. I, you know, we really appreciate it and wish you the best of luck. Do, do you have plans going into the future? Um, I think right now I'm just going to take a break, like get a full-time job for at the moment before considering PhD. Yeah. It's <laughs> obviously yeah. a question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming on and we wish you the best and um, hopefully our lockdown ends soon. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, right. thanks again for having me and yeah, have, yeah, giving me the opportunity to talk about my research. You have been listening to the Lethbridge Lean Radio Show. We broadcast a new episode every Tuesday at 1 p.m. on CKXU 88.3. To hear all our episodes, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. To get updates, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Lethbridge underscore lean. If anyone wants to come on the show or join the committee, email us at lethbridgelean at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and have a great night.